the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 262 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. You see, there is no, with false teachers, there is no conviction of sin. There is no rebuke. There is no reproof. No message about restraining the flesh. It's a feel-good message. Feel good about yourselves. That seems to be the prevailing line of thought today, right? If it feels good, do it. Follow your heart, and so on. And that's how false teachers gather such large followings. They tell people what they want to hear. But if only the truth will save you, wouldn't that be what you'd really want to hear? Hi, this is Verse by Verse. In our last broadcast, Pastor Steve Kreloff launched into a study of the dangers of false teachers. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. I'll tell you a little more about that after our lesson. 2 Peter 2 begins this way. There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will introduce destructive heresies and even deny the master who ransomed them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Those are strong words. Here's Pastor Steve to elaborate on them. Well, what do we do with with this verse? Now, as I said, I recognize that there are good men who see it differently, but it seems to me that the most natural interpretation of this is to see that uh, these people reject Christ's rightful place as their Lord by virtue of he is Lord and he is uh, he is over them by virtue of the fact that he's purchased them by his death, but they don't want anything to do with it. Uh, that's that's how I see this, not as uh, not as some other some other view. I don't see them as believers. I see them as making a false profession, claiming to be believers, at least at one time. They made a serious, strong profession, but it was false. Notice 2 Peter 2, uh, 20 and 21. For if they, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandments handed on to them. So at one time... They made a profession. They made a profession. They said they believed in the Lord. They they believed that he died for their sins, but uh, they've rejected that. They've rejected it. Now, they've apostatized, and the proof that they have apostatized is they never submitted to his lordship. They never evidenced true, genuine salvation. They never evidenced it back then, and they still don't evidence it because they're not believers. And that's why Peter closes verse 1 with a statement about their judgment. Notice he says, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. The word destruction does not mean annihilation. It does not mean to cease to exist, but rather it is the opposite of eternal salvation, which is eternal judgment. Peter says when it happens, it will happen suddenly, it will happen swiftly. So why are false teachers so dangerous? Because, folks, they're subtle. 
They're subtle. They're not easy to detect because they spring up alongside of true teachers within the church, but they give themselves away by denying the truth about Christ and his work on the cross, even going so far as to refuse to yield to his authority, although he died for them. And uh, they claim to be Christians, but they're not. So be alert. Be alert, not only to what a teacher says, but how he lives, how he lives. They deny the very lordship of Christ in their lives. So that's the first characteristic of a false teacher. They're subtle. There's a second characteristic that Peter tells us about, and that is not only are they subtle, but they're popular. They're very popular. Notice verse 2. Many, he writes, will follow their sensuality. Now, let's stop there. When people reject the lordship of Christ in their lives, as these false teachers do, as they did and they certainly do today, they do so because they want to do their own thing. They don't want to surrender to Christ. They don't want to obey his word. They want to do their own thing. And often, the way they want to live is immorally, immorally. That's why Peter tells us that false teachers are into sensuality, which means sexual excesses and extremes. In other words, no moral restraint. They've thrown off all restraints. By removing any accountability to Jesus Christ, they're going to do what they want to do rather than what his word says. His word commands us to live morally. That is to say that sexual relations are only allowed within the context of marriage. Anything else is immoral. But these folks, their lifestyle was not moral, and it appealed to other people, and that's why they followed them. It appealed to many within the church, and that's why Peter says that many will follow their sensuality. Now, why are false teachers such a threat to us? Because they are so appealing to the human heart with its perverted lusts. That's why. Jesus said, out of the heart comes fornications. Many people are attracted to them because, listen, they give them the freedom to do whatever they want to do, feel good about themselves under the guise of religion. You can actually look good and feel good about yourself and do whatever you want to do. And often, that's immorality. It's certainly living according to the flesh. You see, there is no, with false teachers, there is no conviction of sin. There is no rebuke. There is no reproof. No message about restraining the flesh. It's a feel-good message. Feel good about yourselves. Paul said that someday, and that day has arrived, that there'll be teachers who will tickle your ears. They'll tell you things that you just want to hear, and that's where this is. Note this. One of the marks of many cults is open immorality, whether it be the polygamy of Mormonism, which still takes place today and would take place even more so if uh, if it wasn't illegal, or there are and many cult leaders who demand physical relations with their female followers. I mean, that's that's just stuff that's in the newspaper. Now, I recognize that not every false religious system leads to open immorality. Some do live at a very high moral level. But one thing every false system has in common is they have followers. If they didn't have followers, there wouldn't be uh, any, any group. Peter tells us that many will follow. Many will follow. Now, I want to stop here for a moment and address this. False religion is very popular. And, and people often assume that if some teaching is popular, it must be right. Must be right. And that can be intimidating to believers in Christ because we make up a very small minority, this planet. It's always been that way. The Bible calls us a remnant. We're not a very large group. We are not a majority. 
We are not. And there is a subtle assumption that Christianity must be wrong because so few believe it. If it was right, everyone would believe it. Well, that's that's erroneous thinking for two reasons. Number one, because the Bible tells us that man is depraved. And man on his own, after he fell, never would come to God on his own. That's why the Lord seeks us. Man has gone into false religion, Romans chapter 1, because he he has been born with a desire to worship, but he is rejecting the true God, so he is in, he invents other things to worship, other religious systems and, and even himself. That's number one, to understand that man's sinfulness would would not uh, cause him to, to come to, to Christ. It would cause him to go the opposite direction. But secondly, The Bible gives us several accounts where the majority of people were absolutely wrong and the minority were absolutely right. For example, the flood in Noah's day. Listen, the whole world was wrong, but eight people. Noah was preaching for 120 years and nobody nobody listened, nobody responded. How's that for a successful ministry? 120 years, and it was successful in God's eyes because he was faithful to proclaim judgment, even though nobody believed him. Everybody was wrong, but eight people were right. In Sodom and Gomorrah, only Lot and his family were rescued. The whole two communities were wiped out. They were all wrong, except Lot and his family. Remember Elijah? In Elijah's day, it was a day of apostasy. They were following into wicked things, following the false god Baal, the Canaanite god Baal. And uh, and God told Elijah, I have 7,000, the whole nation, just 7,000, I guess 7,001, because you'd add Elijah to that, 7,001 who had not bowed to the knee of, of Baal. Elijah didn't even know it. They were hiding. They were in caves. The, but listen, the whole nation was wrong except just a handful of, of people. So you see, you can never determine truth by its popularity. In fact, Jesus taught on this. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. And I hope this encourages you because sometimes we feel a little bit overwhelmed and uh, we, we hear reports from the mission field of, of how we're losing ground. And so, but it's always been that way. We, we've always just been a small minority. Matthew chapter 7. Notice verses 13 and 14. And I hope this is an encouragement to you because Jesus really nailed this. And just what we're talking about, he said, enter through what? The narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Ours is not a popular message. Ours is not a feel-good message. In fact, it doesn't feel good to be told you're a sinner. It doesn't feel good to be told you you need to repent and you're wrong and, and God is holy and all that. In Peter's day, the fact that many followed the sensual ways of the false teachers did not prove the validity of their teaching at all. But what it did do was damage the reputation of Christianity. Notice he says, many will follow, we go back to Second Peter 2, verse 2, many will follow their sensuality, and notice he says, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. What an interesting phrase. You see, when nominal Christians, and I use the term nominal to mean in name only, not true born-again people, but in name only, deny Christ's lordship in their lives, and they live any way they want, it damages the reputation of the gospel. Why? Because the world judges all who claim to know Christ to, to be like that. They make no distinction between uh, those who claim to know Christ but really don't and those of us who really do know Christ. They make no distinction. We can't blame them. The world cannot distinguish between a just a professing Christian and one who really is a Christian. This is why it's very uh, uh, challenging, very difficult to uh, when you're witnessing to a Jewish person 
because in their minds, listen, and this may shock you, but they would say, I thought that Adolf Hitler was a Christian. Didn't he believe what you believe? And they do not make it, they do, they cannot understand and do not understand this. That's why we need to share the truth with them. But it's not just the Jewish people, it's just the world in general. They just all lump us together. And when somebody who doesn't really know Christ, but claims to be a follower of his, lives the way they want to live without following the Lord, the world says, look, hypocrites. And, and they say, They're, you're all hypocrites. You're all hypocrites. You say, you pretend one thing, but you live another way. And the reputation of Christianity is damaged by the behavior of those who live ungodly lives. That's why Paul wrote in, in Romans 2.24, he says, because of you, the name of God is blasphemed amongst the Gentiles. So be careful. This is why those of us who are true believers in Christ have an awesome responsibility to live godly because people evaluate the truthfulness of the message of of Christ by how you behave and how I behave. In fact, Peter, I'll ask you to just turn back to his first letter. Peter was most concerned about this in his first letter. as His first letter is centered around the theme of suffering. They were undergoing persecution from outside. Now, his second letter talks about problems from within the church, but his first is dealing with outside the church. And he said in 1 Peter 2.12, he said, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Make sure that you're living a godly life among unbelievers so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. What is he saying? Live such a life before them, such a godly example that even though they slander you, they'll see how you react to that. And some of them will be so amazed by how you react that they will, by your testimony, want to come to faith in Christ and they will glorify God when he comes back again because they will be believers and you influence them to be believers. He also writes in 1 Peter 4, verse 15, he says, make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or troublesome meddler. In other words, what he's saying is if you're going to suffer, suffer for the name of Christ, suffer for doing what's righteous. Don't suffer for doing what's wrong. So Peter is concerned, and we all all should be concerned to live exemplary lives because there are people out there who claim to know Christ who don't live exemplary lives, and it and it hurts the reputation for all of us. So, so far we've seen two characteristics of false teachers that make them dangerous. Number one, they are subtle. So be careful. Hear what they teach and see how they live. Secondly, they are popular, and there is a tendency to want to follow those who appeal to the flesh, who tell you what you want to hear. They're very popular. But there is a third characteristic of false teachers that make them so dangerous, and that is they are greedy. They are greedy. Notice verse 3. And in their greed, Peter writes, they will exploit you with false words. The underlying motivation of false teachers is that they are covetous people who exploit their followers in order to make money. That's precisely what Peter is saying. They are strictly mercenaries They peddle their lies for money, to make money off of people. In fact, in verse 14 of the same chapter, Peter says, and this is an incredible way of of presenting, he says they have a heart trained in greed. They're not just greedy. They have a heart that's been conditioned by this. Their heart's in shape to be greedy. They've been trained in this. Folks, this is how religion, false religion, stays in business. They don't make money. They don't stay in business. They offer you something like healing, 
some deliverance, something to bring you a blessing for a great deal of money. Years ago, Michelle and I had a a neighbor, uh, an older woman, a rather poor lady, who uh, one day was frantic and and came to me wondering if I had seen her degrees, that uh, all the, she couldn't find her degrees from all the courses she had taken from Scientology. And uh, she was just frantic about it. And, and she wondered if I had seen it, why she thought I had seen it, I don't know. But uh, I asked her, I said, why are these degrees so important to you? She said, because I spent $60,000 on those courses. This was a little old lady, very poor woman. Folks, that is just cultic exploitation. Many cult leaders have been known to live lavishly while pressuring their disciples to give more and more and more. And often their followers live in poverty while their leaders live like kings. Dave Brees, in his book, Know the Marks of uh, Cults, writes this, I quote, The false religions of the world are characterized by lavish temples overlaid with gold and studded with diamonds, Most of them stand in the midst of a sea of poverty, which the cults themselves have caused. Their apparent prosperity is nothing more than the shameful result of their cruel exploitation of frightened people who seek their favors with their financial gifts. End of quote. Listen, how different the Apostle Paul, uh, how different he was in his teaching and the example he set for Christian teachers when he said, and I'd like you to look at this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul was, the way he presented this was just to show the contrast with what, how, how he taught and lived with the way the false teachers, the wandering religious teachers in the ancient world, what they were all about. He said in 1 Thessalonians 2, 5, he said, for we never came with flattering speech. They didn't butter up people. They didn't tell, he didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. He told them what they needed to hear. As you know, he says, nor with a pretext for greed. We didn't butter you up to get money from you. He says, God is our witness. Remember Paul in Acts chapter 20, he said to the Ephesian elders, he said, I have never coveted your gold or your silver. My hands work to provide a living for myself. Paul was always careful that, uh, that he, that he, he worked as a tent maker so that no one could say that he was in it to gain any financial uh, pleasure and, and uh, remuneration from, from anyone that he ministered to. Even though he said, you know what, it is right for God's people to support God's servants, but for the sake of testimony, I'm not going to do it. It's my liberty to give this up for the sake of Christ. Now, true teachers of Christ teach you God's word because they love you and they love the truth. And what they do, they do for ministry, not to get anything, but to give. But false teachers, on the other hand, always have ulterior motives. They don't love you. They don't care about the truth. They feed you lies in order to get your money. And they will rob you clean if you give them the opportunity. So be discerning. I'm sure there there are some of you who have given to... Uh, Men and women who claimed to uh, to be good teachers, but they weren't. They were heretical, and you've given them money, and you've got to be very careful about this because they'll put pressure on you as uh, to give more and more and more, and you have to be very careful about that. There are some groups, and I'll say this, there are some groups that maybe they wouldn't be classified as a cult, but they are cultic. They have cultic tendencies. 
messianic leadership and, uh, and, and pressuring you for more money. And there, there are certain marks of a cult, but certain people may not fit into the exact category of a cult, but they are cultic. And this is one of those things where be very careful about uh, uh, so-called ministries that pressure you for money. I'd never give to a ministry that pressures me for money because that would that would tell me right away that I, that's not what I want to do. That's not what the Lord would have me to do. And though these uh, these individuals may become very wealthy in the world because everybody's given them money, it seems their followers are. Yet their eternal judgment is inevitable. And that's how Peter closes verse three. He says their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. In other words, the principle of judging people like these is not new. It's an eternal principle that was acted out many times in the Old Testament and will be acted out again with false teachers in every age. And that's why, by the way, from verse 4 uh, on, for a few few verses, Peter gives us examples of individual groups and individuals who were uh, judged, false teachers who were judged in the Old Testament. What he's saying is it's an eternal principle. It happened then, it will happen again. Now, what do we do with a message like this? How do we apply it to our lives? Well, what you do is you take in all this information so that you will be alert to the dangers of false teachers who would like to get you in their grasp. And they really would. They want to get you in their grasp. They want to get your money in their grasp. Just know that they are characterized by subtlety, so you're not naive. Know that they are characterized by popularity, because they tell they tell people what they want to hear, and they are characterized by greediness, and uh, they will pressure you to give more money to them. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. It ought to serve as a healthy warning to all of us. None of us are above ever falling into something like this. It's also helpful to make sure that our lives don't resemble people like this. Yes, you may be a true believer in Christ, but if there is a lack of submission to Christ's lordship in any area of your life, then it's just wrong. It doesn't bring glory to God, and it does bring a reproach on his on His name. So you need to ask the Lord and, and evaluate in your own heart, is there any area of your life that is not under the master's control. If that's the case, then you need it needs to be confessed, it needs to be forsaken. Not another day go by. And if you are not a Christian, then I urge you to come to Jesus Christ for salvation, for true salvation. Because Jesus is the truth and what he offers you, what he offers you is a salvation that is absolutely free. Let's bow for prayer. I'm going to give you a few moments now to meditate on this, do any assessment, evaluation, repentance, any any of this. But I urge you to be careful. I urge you to be careful about who you listen to, who you give money to, who you follow, all of that. Be so wise. Peter wrote this in order to warn us. Don't don't be naive because some some individual is a smooth talker and uses some biblical terms. Listen to what they're really saying and observe their lives. And you need to evaluate your life. Does it reflect Jesus Christ? If not, you need to make some changes. And if you've never trusted him, I urge you to do so today. Come to Christ for salvation. Come to him today. He died for your sins. He died on behalf of you. He is the master who, who bought you. You need to surrender to him, though. Father, this really is a difficult chapter. It is a hard chapter. Peter is hard and blunt and forceful, but Lord, we need this. We need to be shaken from a complacency that just 
tends to swallow anything that comes down the, the pike, any, any kind of teaching that has some religious overtones. And Lord, help us to be discerning. Help us as a church body, as individuals, to, to be alert, to understand what's going on around us, that we live in a day and age of apostasy, and, and it will only get worse, as Paul said, there'll be doctrines of demons. I pray that you'll help us to be people of the book. And Lord, to, uh, to be alert to be alert, to be wise. I pray that you will bring to our minds anything that needs to uh, be adjusted in our own lives so that we come under your submission in every area, Lord. And Father, I would pray that you draw to yourself those who who need Christ, who perhaps have thought that they've known him, but uh, their lives don't evidence that they've known him. And so I pray that you'll open their hearts to the Savior. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve. And thank you, listening friends, for tuning in today to Verse by Verse. If you prayed with Pastor Steve today to trust Christ for salvation, would you tell us about that? You can send an email to contact at versebyverseradio.org or call the church office at 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in the area and looking for a church, I know he would be thrilled to meet you in person. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road. You can find out more at lakesidechapel.com. False teachers want us to think, as they apparently do, that God is soft on sin. It's not at all popular to think of God as judging and meeting out punishment. But God has judged and punished, and he will do so again. Yet he offers free salvation for those who will have it. This is Jerry Peterson, hoping you will join us for the next Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.